Hi, welcome to the History of Rosie Roaring Twenties podcast. Today I'm joined with Zoe, aka Zoe Dreams of Castles on Instagram. Hi Zoe. Hello. Um, today we're chatting sport, um, specifically American football in the 1920s. Um, yeah. So what are the origins of American football? Yeah, well, American football kind of as we know it today, what we see today, um, began in the Ivy League. So the Ivy League is um, just the term for the eight of the sort of most elite and some of the oldest universities in the United States. Um, you know, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Cornell, Dartmouth, and so on. Um, and these universities are pretty well known for their academics and research strength, um, but they're not necessarily known to be the best in sports today. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition that that's where the one of the biggest, most watched football uh, sport events started. Um, but typically football in this, this case uh, are really, really big at other schools today. So the Southern schools like Clemson University in North Carolina, the University of Alabama and Ohio State, those are all really big college football names um, that kind of dominate the Division One football world, um, which then really led to the National Football League, the NFL, which is this multi-million dollar mega industry. Um, but really, it's interesting because it began kind of humbly as a game on these Ivy League campuses that was kind of being adapted and experimented with as these different teams were traveling to play one another. Um, and yeah, the, the first game was played in 1869, um, and it was Princeton University against Rutgers University. So these were both two New Jersey schools. Um, and this game definitely would have been a lot closer looking to English football or soccer. So the rules of that game were, were very closely followed um, the London Football Association rules. So therefore, there was no handling or carrying the ball. So it's definitely looked a lot, a lot closer to um, American soccer or English football um, back then. And then the first collegiate football stadium was actually built at the University of Pennsylvania. It was called Franklin Field um, in 1895. And I think it's interesting to note, too, um, kind of what was happening in the 20th century around the world at that time. Um, the development of American football is kind of arguably being influenced by the 19th century's interest in the classical world. So uh, in 1828, the Yale Report published a defense of classical education. And then in 1875, there were the excavations um, at Olympia in Greece, which began. And the stadium there, obviously, it was, you know, gaining worldwide attention. So then in 18. 96, there was the reintroduction of the Olympic Games. And so it's clear that kind of in the late 19th century, before the Roaring Twenties, um, there was sign of kind of this Greco-Roman influence going on. It's really interesting um, that um, they were influenced by kind of, I mean, yeah, you kind of get it, like the whole statues that you like were up about, like, um, yeah, the big Greek monuments, and, yeah. Yeah, um, you can kind of see how they'd be influenced by that because it's kind of like what many saw as like the perfect image of man and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting how you said like they, it was more like 
English football, like soccer, um, yeah. to begin with, because I kind of thought that it started off completely differently. Um, yeah, it's it definitely was influenced by sort of the old world sports. Um, so, of course, these institutions in the United States, like Harvard and Princeton and those places, they were you know, very closely modeling themselves off of Oxford and Cambridge, um, obviously. And so those traditions were also being kind of swept over into the sports world, too. So um, these older games like English football or um, soccer were definitely uh, kind of in the forefront of people's minds. And they were fun. And I think that it kind of just took a hold of um, people's imaginations. And then sooner or later, people started, you know, holding the ball and carrying the ball and um, transferring some rules and stuff like that. So it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a mix between like English, um, like soccer and like Mm -hmm. rugby. Yeah. Kind of like really old school, like private, like boys school kind of sports. Um, Yeah. So you can kind of see how those top universities would definitely want to adapt to that because I think there's always been that kind of thing in like America where they want to kind of be better than Oxford. So they have Mm -hmm. to do what they do, but better. So I think that's always been like a thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. I was just rewatching the Netflix uh, series, The English Game, and that one's that's pretty fun, too, to watch. And it gives even more history if you go even further back as to the beginnings of organized professional soccer football in in England and Europe really so that's kind of cool too yeah I need to watch that one I I haven't watched it yet but yeah it's worth it (laughs) it it looks good I'll put it on my list (laughs) um so was so now in um American football we have like really big stars and we have like you know, like athletes earn millions of pounds a year. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, were there stars back then? Was it that popular that they were getting paid for it and stuff like that? Yeah, it's interesting because football um, wasn't really at the forefront of everybody's imaginations and thoughts um, in its early days, so in the late 19th century. But then, really, as it got closer to the 20s, that decade was pretty economically prosperous. So there was more time for people to leisurely go out and and watch and follow sports. Um, And so I think at that point, there were more um, athletes that were kind of stars, but they were really mostly happening in other sports like baseball. So of course, everybody knows um, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Those are still names that, you know, we see around everywhere today. Um, and those were the, the big stars that were really closely, I think, similar to the, um, our athletes today. But in football, it wasn't really until, um, you know, later on, but the 20th, uh, sorry, the 1920s were when the National Football League kind of began and, and got its footing. Because um, as I said before, it started really in um, the collegiate world, but then as the professional world started to grow, it was still the collegiate stars that were, you know, more household names than others. So another uh, name that might ring a bell is um, Newt Rockney, and he was the pop- most popular um, coach, actually, but he was also a player at Notre Dame in Indiana. 
Um, and then there's a couple popular players. Again, these are college stars. Um, Red Grange, he went on to play um, for the Chicago Bears from the University of Illinois. Um, and he kind of ultimately legitimized the National Football League and being a professional athlete. So we're seeing the sort of transformation of this exciting college league turning into, oh, maybe we should pay these people and um, have this become a profession and just like baseball. Yeah, it's just um, really interesting. So obviously the National Football League is what's still going today. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess most of the teams that are in that joined maybe around the 20s. I guess obviously you always have a few teams that will be a bit newer, but I guess most of them started forming around this time and um, to create the, the league. Yeah, yeah, there were. Um, of course, as you see with a lot of different sports too, the um, names of these teams have evolved over time, but um, they started out in pretty, pretty similar cities to what is still there today. Um, but the teams were a lot smaller and um, they were a lot less regulated. But of course, today now it's like the most watched sport. We know the Super Bowl is like everybody tunes in, even if you don't really watch the rest of the season, you know, everybody still watches it. So it's, it's definitely spectacle, I think was a big part of, is still a big part of football. And it was um, in the twenties as well, because people were excited about sporting events because, you know, we saw that with baseball and boxing and things like that. But then um, football was just another exciting thing for people to go and, and watch. Yeah, I imagine like it would have been, although, you know, once they started picking up the ball and stuff, um, mm -hmm. it would have still been quite different. Did they still wear like the big helmets and shoulder padding and all that? Or was that like very unregulated? Yeah, very unregulated. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is for sure the um, the the costume, the uniform, and then also like the protect the protection. So there was probably a lot less protection than um, you would expect to see today. Um, the equipment was very minimal. There were these sort of like leather helmets um, and a lot less padding than probably would ever be allowed today. Although even today, you know, people still make the argument that the padding and the helmets aren't really doing as much as they can because still when you get hit with that much force by somebody else, you're your brain is bound to be jostled, right? But that's that's a whole nother conversation. But there um, definitely was very little padding. So I don't know if there was as much um, forcefulness. Uh, maybe there was more passing and throwing as opposed to hitting. But um, still, you were out there with very little protecting you from anything. Yeah, I can imagine that, like, they probably didn't realize the dangers of getting hit so much back then yeah. either. So it was probably just the case of like, take the hit. <laughs> like, right. whereas today that just, if, if they even have like a sign of concussion, it's like straight off the pitch. So I imagine mm -hmm. like a lot of people probably did get quite badly injured back then. I guess that's, I guess that's the same of any sport really. Um, yeah, yeah. Without the regulations it has today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I agree. I think it was probably uh, a little bit worse. Worse, They were probably worse off even than today. Although, like I said, 
you know, sometimes I don't understand how those NFL guys just get clobbered on the field and then they just walk it off. It's crazy to me, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I could play that sport. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Luckily, it's not too popular over here, so. We yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the Chicago Bears earlier. Mm-hmm. Were they like one of the founding teams then of this like new national football league? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. So the Bears are very much in the history of, you know, the NFL in general. They sort of have this storied franchise um, that goes far beyond the, the 20s and into the 20th century. But the Bears themselves were, um, yeah, they were kind of the beginning of gridiron football is, is what is another name for American football. So it had, it started to take on its own unique look and shape with the different rules and stu- um, such that were being regulated by this new National Football League. Um, and then they were actually, the re- they were relocated to Chicago um, in 1921. So that was, they were first founded um, in Decatur, Illinois, which is um, just another little town, but um, into into Chicago in the 20s. And so that's kind of where the the big franchise began. So yeah, they were definitely one of the um, founding members of the National Football League. Yeah, it's interesting because they're one of the teams I've actually heard of. In okay, the yeah. Um, I think <laughs> um, is the Red Sox, is that another team? Um, yeah, the Red Sox is baseball, but they're also very, very historic franchise. So they, they were involved in the 20s with the um, the trade, the major trade, the biggest trade in the history of baseball still today um, of Babe Ruth when he got traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees, which was their rival. Um, and he, people say he cursed the Red Sox and then they didn't win another World Series championship until 2004. So um, that's kind of the, the myth around that. But the Red Sox are baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, we don't, like, in the UK, we don't have uh-huh. as much um, American sports. I, I don't, I've never watched baseball or anything. But right, okay. you kind of hear about, like, franchises and, like, you know, you get like the caps of like the Yankees logo. Yes, and yes, stuff. Like, right. That's kind of. Yeah, the they do. They have their like icons and you can find them anywhere, really, regardless of where you are in the world. But, you know, it's interesting, too. I think on the other side of things, I I think soccer jerseys are getting are they've been popular for a while. They're very like fashionable and people wear them more and more here, even though, you know, I see people rooting for. Chelsea and Arsenal and those those other names a couple names that I can I can think of um but I think that's due to the increased exposure that we're getting because we're we're able to watch them on certain streaming services now like I know there's this new Peacock streaming service that we have that's um you can basically pay for it kind of like Hulu and you get to watch the Premier League you know and so people I think are um getting into that more today than maybe they were before but who knows maybe I'm just seeing it around more because I'm interested in it but yeah yeah I guess like um well especially back in the 20s like it probably was just people in each town or city that would go and see the like 
their team play whereas like now it's such an international reach it's just like a completely Mm -hmm. different type of game because there's so much more money behind it whereas I guess in the 20s when well you know it was getting played in like colleges and then it was Mm -hmm. moving into like cities so I guess it was like quite localized like you probably just support either your university team or your local city team or whatever yeah right I think that's true and that would be another interesting kind of line to explore because I haven't thought too much about the fan experience doing more I was doing just more research on kind of the history of the the sport itself but I think that'd be really interesting too to see because you have this whole other world of the the 1920s we know them they were very you know exciting and party atmosphere everywhere and so maybe part of the reason why sports are so connected with parties still today is maybe because they had their beginnings in that time where everybody was following their team and then celebrating and drinking and doing all of that. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, obviously during the 1920s in America, it was prohibition. Um, Right. So maybe, like, I know now it's like sport is very heavily associated with drinking, but potentially Mm -hmm. at the time people did go party afterwards which you would think so yeah yeah which I think what probably is where it came from but like it's just interesting that probably something like baseball was probably Mm -hmm. like quite a tame family sport yes I agree it's very it was very similar to um I what I would imagine the atmosphere of cricket was because it was sort of like this gentleman sport and you know, you go to the ball game and it's a long sort of slow game that trickles. That's why people don't like it because it's kind of slow. But, um, you know, it's today you go to the, the ball game and you have you sort of are obliged to buy a beer or have a drink or whatever. But it's interesting because when it was first beginning, or at least in the, the 20s, the decade, that decade, there was none of that happening inside the stadium, but I'm sure that there was parties and underground happenings afterwards if, you're, if your team won. Yeah, especially, um, I suppose, in Chicago, Chicago mm. Bears. Chicago is where Al Capone was based. Yep. So oh, I imagine sure. there would have been some insane, like, underground parties in Chicago. That would also be interesting to explore more, too, if, if he had any money in in sports too I'm sure he did you know somebody like him I'm sure had had some dealings with I mean maybe even sports betting could go back as far as as that as well um so interesting yeah yeah I know like obviously in so like if you watch Peaky Blinders they Mm -hmm. are very into like their horse race betting yes but I do imagine that in like other sports it would have carried across because I know, like, football betting and stuff would have, like, started in England in around that time when the leagues were getting big. So it probably mm-hmm. was quite a big thing. Um, I mean, you weren't actually really allowed to gamble in America, so it definitely would have been right illegal. But <laughs> yeah, yes. um, I imagine under the table. <laughs> yeah, yes. I imagine it was something that Al Capone probably set up to make a little bit of right. side money. Yeah, well, it's interesting too because really the the sort of storied franchises that we still know today are Chicago, New York, Boston. These places were all definitely hotspots for the 1920s Al Capone type of 
gangster guy and um you know I think that's telling as well because I'm sure that they're the reason that they they survived was because of these sort of underground followings that were able to keep them alive through the depression which is later in the the 30s and then now they're still around today so yeah and I guess like once the depression was over it was then like the war I know like America didn't Mm -hmm. join the war till the 40s but I imagine, like, after the war, then the sport either had its make-or-break moment where all the previous years of, like, setting up would have either been a success or people would have just forgotten all about it. And obviously, they didn't forget about it. So Mm -hmm. they obviously did well when they set up the league in the first place. Yeah, I think it it was popular enough and spectator sports across the nation were popular and exciting enough that they were able to kind of weather the storm during the depression and then the war and um I think it's it's kind of telling about sports in general and sports in society I think people like to have a constant or something that they can follow year after year regardless of what's happening around the world or around them and then it's also sort of like this escape from reality and that's I think why people like to to watch because it's an invitation to kind of put the rest of the world away and just focus on this silly little game that doesn't really mean anything but it's fun you know yeah definitely um and I guess like you said it started in like colleges so I guess Mm -hmm. a lot of people probably did play um like the game maybe like throughout high school and then into college if they made it to college so I guess people also had Mm -hmm. that kind of relationship with it as well yeah I think that's pretty similar to today as well um because you know when you start playing usually you're quite young and it's sort of a pastime that you get to bond with your family over and you learn as a child and then you keep playing and then if you're good enough you get to go and play in college and then even further if you're good enough from there you can go play professionally so I think it was similar um when it first began too I think the best ones were they just kept um excelling and kept moving forward into the new the the next highest level yeah so I guess like I mean I know a little bit about basketball and how they Mm -hmm. get most of their new players from like colleges but is that how the NFL still works then they um, like they did in the 20s, once you were good enough, you then progressed into the National League. Is that still the the route in, or has it actually changed since then because the universities aren't as, haven't got as much of a hold on it? As- yeah, that's interesting. Um, actually, today, I think it's really still, they're very much based, the NFL is recruits a lot from, from universities. And it's just interesting because the shift in which universities are getting the most attention through the draft are is kind of what's interesting to to note for our podcast is is that um like i said football started in the ivy leagues but today you're not getting too many um you know stars that are coming from harvard and going to play for the new york new york giants or whatnot so you're you're getting different um different colleges and universities that are powerhouses with these, they equally have multi-million dollar programs. Um, and some of the, the 
universities and college coaches, they, they make more money in their salary than some of the NFL coaches just because of how popular um, college football is and how much viewership they, they gather. Um, but yeah, like I said, you're not really getting um, stars from Princeton and Yale anymore. You're getting more and more people are coming from University of Alabama, University of Georgia, Penn State, Ohio State, a lot of state schools, Michigan State. Um, so it's just kind of shifted, but it's still kind of the pipeline to go to the NFL is definitely to stand out in one of those major programs. Yeah, it's really interesting because like in England and like the UK mm-hmm. in general, like most footballers or like, um, I don't know, just most sports stars don't go to university at all they mm. start when they're like 16 and they um just get like scouted and stuff yeah. like that so it's quite interesting that like universities in America like even back in the 20s were like putting loads of money behind like these sports stars because that's just like completely opposite to how like it the is, UK yeah. gets it I never thought of that but that does make sense and I can't imagine a world any differently so I can't imagine it being that way here because it's just that's just how it is it's like these major major programs that are almost as big as the the professional sports themselves you know they're getting so much money and so much attention and those athletes are you know equally as famous on Instagram and wherever um but they're just not getting paid in the same way that these other athletes are but they have sort of the same amount of attention um so it's interesting I I can't really imagine having a 16 year old just getting scouted that's very um out of the ordinary here but it's ordinary in other places so yeah um yeah it's like I just it's just strange to think about but um (laughs) it's interesting like you were saying about how like Yale and stuff haven't really got any stars and Mm-hmm. Is that because they then shifted their focus from being kind of a multi, like not multi-purpose, but like mm-hmm. a lot of the top unis obviously have their speciality um, and I guess they moved away from the sport. So is that kind of what happened with like Yale and stuff? Yeah, I, I do think it's a it's a mixture of, of many things. Um, I think as the game of football kind of evolved, there were other schools that were just, you know, by, by luck or by nature, were just getting better players or they would have coaches that were, um, doing different things and they would start having better records or whatnot. Um, but then there was also a period in time kind of for all of the Ivies, like I know for Cornell specifically, they had, um, kind of some pushback from the presidents, um, in the, 19th and 20th centuries that were basically saying we don't we don't want organized sport to be the biggest part of our university and so I think there were times in each of the school's history where you can see there was kind of this pushback from the administration or from even the government um the actual presidents of the United States were saying like we don't want our most elite men or whatever pushing around a dirty ball that kind of thing so I think as time went on, these these team these schools just kind of kept that spirit of the sport alive, but were very much focused on their 
their image to the rest of the world, you know, like they wanted to be the American versions of Cambridge and Oxford. And, and so I think other schools just kind of took it and ran with it and, and had better programs. Yeah, I mean, it is like when you think about it, like the top people would be going to Harvard and Yale and Cornell. Mm-hmm. So to then them go and become a um, sports star, it probably would be a bit of a, not a waste, but in terms mm-hmm. of like from the university, they want to produce like historians or scientists or like someone that's going to do something, you know, incredible to up their image. Mm-hmm. So like going and pursuing sports isn't really going to, put them at the same level as Cambridge and Oxford so yeah and I think that's kind of a dichotomy that's still happening today because you know you still I think you're still looked looked at differently if you're only going to a school to play sports but then you know people change their they backtrack and they change their mind if you actually make it to the NBA or the NFL and then they're like oh I used to know him or oh that's cool that he came from nothing but it's like you get thought of as just the athlete, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not, it's either, or you're either an athlete or a student or a scholar, you know? And so I think that's something that is maybe not the best for societies and culture, but um, that's just how it is today. Yeah. I guess they just kind of made that out of the, the situation that's Mm -hmm. happened over time um, with, I guess, like, after so many years of how it's been working, like, mm-hmm. that's just how it's evolved into, which obviously it would be nice if you could be a, like, world-renowned scientist and a sports star, but we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know if, like, if you've researched into this bit, but how did, like, so I know, like, we have the Super Bowl now. Mm-hmm. Was there, like, a cup? or like a champ, like a something that they won at the end if they did well? Or was it more like they didn't really have anything of note until... Yeah, the, the, best, um, the best teams would play at the uh, Rose Bowl in Los Angeles, which is actually still um, in existence today. It's a really lovely historic stadium. Um, those that, That's where the um, college championships for football would be played. And... Um, it's not, it's not only played there today. It's only played there on certain special occasions. But I think, well into the twentieth century, it was um, every year that was sort of the goal was to get to the Rose Bowl. Um, and especially in the twenties, I know um, that was sort of the big thing because it was it was constructed in um, I think the first decade of the twentieth century, so a little earlier. Um, but yeah, it's a really lovely old historic stadium that is um, still in existence today. I think it's on uh, the University of Southern California's campus, um, but I, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, it's it's the Rose Bowl Stadium on in the oh sorry the UCLA Bruins football is is who plays there today. But it's um, yeah a great stadium, and again it's in that horseshoe shape that was directly taken from um that greek tradition so interesting yeah that's very interesting that they decided to go with that and it's kind of cool that there was like a like a place to aim for i guess because Mm -hmm. obviously the super bowl didn't start till like the late 60s 
Um, yeah. So right. I was just like kind of wondering what was in its place before because, I'd, like you know, in the mo- in recent years, like every single sport has basically changed what type of trophies it gets and yeah. what you win. So it's quite interesting to think about the old one and like how much that would have meant to them. But now, like half the people playing at NFL probably don't even know what that stadium is <laughs> like well they might actually because it's it's quite uh popular still today they have um sort of i think what they do in college football is they do uh different bowls so like a rose bowl a dust bowl or like a i don't know there's there's other names strawberry bowl or something like that they have all these different like bowl names where it's these smaller little um championships that get played in certain regions of the United States and so I think those are actually quite meaningful to people still today um but you're right I don't think necessarily people who love and watch and play in the Super Bowl today could probably they probably couldn't tell you that the Rose Bowl Stadium was constructed and opened in 1922 you know so I think that that part of it is definitely still not quite known to people that this is a very historic um important place for the history of football yeah I guess like the thing about the Super Bowl is like it's played at different arenas and stadiums mm-hmm. like every year whereas I guess the like Rose Bowl would have been there every year so like it's quite yeah. significant that they played like there before um because yeah people were used to it and it's it was sort of something to to strive for because you were always looking forward to getting to the Rose Bowl yeah it's kind of like in like English football getting to mm-hmm. Wembley Stadium yes exactly like, that's a that's a very good yeah whereas like we still have Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. but I guess in America because it's so much bigger it's not mm-hmm. necessarily convenient to always go to the Rose Bowl Stadium which could be hundreds mm-hmm. of miles away for a team that's you know down the other side of the country from New York yes exactly yeah um, so I guess that's probably why that one died out um, when they yeah. got the Super Bowl up and running because um, it kind of just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's like really interesting. Um, I just like had a search earlier and I saw like the Green Bay Packers are the ones that have won the most um, like champion. Oh, um, OK. Yeah. League the championship. Most... So they yep. have nine pre-Super Bowl titles and Mm. then four Super Bowl um, victories. So they must have been like one of the top teams. Um, Yeah, year after year, they're definitely very, they're very well known. And they also have a historic stadium in the sense that it was, I think it's a pre-Super Bowl stadium. So pre-60s, I don't remember the exact date, but it's it's equally a, a stadium that has been pretty well preserved from the time period that it was built so that's kind of cool you know because even with Wembley it's it's a historic place but it's been updated and so people think about it as old Wembley or new Wembley right and so it's kind of like it's cool to see these places like the Green Bay Packers Stadium or it would be cool if the 1920s version of Wembley was still intact in some version um, because these places really do change and the stadium culture itself is very technologically advanced so there's these you know huge stadiums now that are totally new and have all this technology and stuff like that 
Yeah, and I suppose like as the sport's grown, like a lot of um, teams will have had to either like add to their stadium or move to a new stadium because, say, mm. in the if they built their stadium, if they had a stadium in the twenties and then in the fifties, in the sixties, you got the Super Bowl. They then might have moved, and then like I guess it's just trying to keep up with your fan base because you're going to have more people. In, yeah, like, you have to accommodate. Yeah. So I imagine like a lot of people probably did move or like rebuild their stadiums um, in the 60s from potentially their like 1920s stadium then mm-hmm. rebuilt because they knew the league was going to get bigger. So yeah, quite interesting like to see um, like how many teams would have done that and stuff like that because I think obviously the Green Bay Packers did do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure lots of other teams would have as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so was American football the most popular sport in the 20s in America or like... Um, yeah, it wasn't actually. It was um, it was baseball that was the most popular. And, and I think that's sort of in part because baseball was is the oldest sport um, in America or that's the uh, sort of what they like to still call it America's pastime. Um, and it was definitely it it had a peak in the 1920s and it was definitely attracting the most um, viewers just because football was still sort of new um, and it was becoming it was still it was still evolving right so it was still evolving from the foot game to more like hands and carrying and passing and throwing and stuff like that so I think as it was changing and um, becoming more regulated people were oh like let's go watch football but it was mostly um, baseball was definitely the most popular in the 20s yeah I guess it was like tvs weren't actually invented in the in the 20s so I guess it was the struggle of trying to get people to to the stadium to come Mm -hmm. and watch you so I guess that would have been like a challenge whereas now if you put something on tv and it's sports a sports fan might watch it just because whereas back yeah. then someone would have had to make the choice that oh do I go to the baseball game or do I go to the football game so I guess yes, that exactly was like, um yeah and you know speaking of the stadium too really the baseball stadiums were nicer and they were better maintained and they were these they were sort of more fan friendly and that's just again because of the nature of football being such a new sport people weren't probably as excited to go watch sit in like a rickety old like quickly made stand or bleachers because there weren't really as many um, permanent structures at the time Um, so you're right you'd have to make the choice of do I want to go sit in a nice seat that I know actually has a seat for me or go stand and sort of just watch for fun (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess that would be, like, one of the big uh, deciders. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, like, at this time, like, American football wasn't popular anywhere else in the world. Like, I guess there was other more popular sports, like, in other countries, like, I mm-hmm. guess because of, you know, the lack of TV and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it really football. wasn't anywhere else. Um, nobody really played American football anywhere else except for in America at the time. Yeah, it's just interesting now because, like, obviously everyone gets so confused between, like, because obviously in England we just go football, like, it's right. football. And then 
someone like who's American will be like, oh, American football. And then there's just so many different, and like Australians call rugby football or soccer. And right. it's just very confusing. Well, I think they play a version, Australians play a version. Uh, I don't know if maybe gridiron is different for them or if gridiron is what we think of as American football in Australia. So it's, it's again, yeah, it's very confusing. They have different names for the different sports, but they're all sort of similar. Well, rugby and, and American football are kind of similar, um, but really there's no kicking or foot action happening in American football anymore. So that's the big difference between soccer and um, English football and then what we know of today as like gridiron football. Yeah, and I guess like, um, well, in the UK, certainly, we don't actually have our own version of American football. Like, we don't play Mm -hmm. it as like a sport. And then I guess it has very much stayed like quite an American sport. Um, Yeah, that is interesting because you do have like basketball and um, other sports that are big in America. There are leagues in the UK, right? Yeah, so we, well, I mean, it's it's probably not the greatest league in the world, oh, but okay, we yeah. do have, like, a professional basketball league. We have, okay. like, all that, whereas I don't think NFL has really, like, made its way over um, yes. to the UK at all, mm-hmm. apart from people watching it. Um, yeah. But there isn't, like, a professional league, which is quite mm-hmm. strange. Yeah, I agree, but it's, it, I wonder, there's probably a reason for that, and it might be because it's just such a horribly aggressive game I don't know I I just sometimes I feel like it's it's just football is so dangerous because you're like I said again going back to the getting hit in the head so many times it just seems like maybe we're the only ones that still think that that's okay to do (laughs) yeah I mean I guess we still have rugby but I think that's less oh true yeah and I guess Gaelic football in in Ireland is a little bit aggressive too yeah but I think maybe the the size of the NFL players is Mm -hmm. probably what makes it so much more some of them are huge (laughs) yes true 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 yeah um but yeah it's just interesting to like think about how it's kind of evolved since the um 1920s like it started Mm -hmm. off quite a small sport in universities and now it's just well, is it probably one of the biggest sports in America, I guess? Yeah, football is the most watched sport in America uh, at a professional level. And I haven't checked if it's uh, the most watched college sport. It's either that or basketball, for sure. Because um, college basketball is huge and that gets a lot of TV, TV um, attention and then college football also gets tv attention as well but definitely the nfl is is the you know the majority of americans will tune into that yeah and especially as you said before like the the super bowl is mm-hmm. um you know just huge um yeah and i think people even like you know i follow those funny like love island stars and they will post like oh I'm watching the Super Bowl and like they're staying up late and so it's even just kind of like a fun thing for other people just to watch because it's such a big spectacle right like it has the entertainment in the halftime show and like 
I don't even really follow football, but I watch it because I just want to see like, oh, who who's going to win? Or I want to watch just to see and understand the memes the next day and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and everyone's talking about it. So you want to be like, oh, yeah, like I did like have a little bit of an idea about it rather than yes. just being like, oh, I don't watch football. Like that, that right. I think like it's a very like, it's the same like with a lot of sports if it's really big people watch it just to be involved in the conversation but I think Super Bowl even more so because like you said the entertainment and all that mm-hmm. um but it would have been interesting to see how in the 1920s how they would have spoken about the the Rose Bowl <laughs> um, mm, I know it would champion. be cool to see and I'm sure that there's some like primary sources or some somewhere you could dig up and look and see or even in the newspapers like I'm sure it was advertised as being um the big event for the year but that that's something for another day I'll find (laughs) yeah definitely it's definitely really interesting and like I definitely want to go and like research more into it and Mm -hmm. like because I literally know nothing about American football really so um yeah I just want to do a little bit more um research I know like at the um Tottenham Stadium in um Mm -hmm. in London they sometimes they have NFL games come over from America and they do like a NFL tour and stuff so maybe that's one to book on (laughs) to I think I think you're right I think they do that with the NBA too I know the NBA played at they do like a London game every year um I think they play at the O2 which isn't as big but it's still like they're doing more and more like outreach and and so maybe for the future it'll be something interesting that we can all go to when things go back to normal but yeah yeah definitely I think I kind of want to go to a American yeah. football game now just to see like what it's like whether I enjoy it or not <laughs> right yes um but yeah I think we've covered a, a very wide history of um a football especially yeah. in the 20s um and I hope that like everyone who'll be listening to this will find it interesting um and obviously you know if they want to know a bit more maybe they can um they can give you a message and you can uh, tell them your expertise sure I can tell them however much I I have in my brain um <laughs> it's not it's not my area of expertise but I do find it super interesting because being a sports fan myself, it's definitely also something that my history brain just kind of like naturally wants to find out more about like what what was it like in different time periods. Yeah. Is has is your university that you go to, is that one of the um like good like do you have a good league there or um so I, I'm I go to Cornell University, so it's in the Ivy League, which today is um, not very great at football. Um, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I don't think they, we really excel in, in football or basketball, any of the, the major sports. Um, but again, it's interesting because we have this sort of historic stadium on our campus. So I, I always find that to be a cool place to go. And it was built in 1915. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun to have like a piece of the history but we're not really as connected to it because our our leagues or our programs aren't are in the best leagues <laughs> today. yeah well that's it's just, it's just cool that you've got a bit of a link to it I guess at your mm-hmm. um university um 
and it, I guess it's something you could research further into once, like, if you wanted to about how they were doing back in the, uh, like, early 20th yeah. century and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but sounds it's just super interesting and I definitely, definitely want to learn a bit more. I do like sports history. I find it quite fascinating how it just took off, like, from nowhere. Right, right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think that's us done with um, the recording. So thank you for thank you being so much. a guest. Um, 